Welcome back to The Untrapped Entrepreneur. This is not the voice of Ben Davis. This is a producer, Stephen Heiner. And today I've actually got Ben and Lauren Davis with us as guests. Hello. Hi. Well, thanks for having us, Stephen. Or me having well, you, I don't know. I'm confused. <laughs> it's one or the other, right? right? Well, obviously, it's it's more difficult to ask Ben to interview his wife. And because season two is all about marriage and business, we thought, what better to ask about marriage and business than, than the wife of the guy who started this podcast, Lauren? And we've heard in different episodes from season one and season two, part of the origin story of the gents place, but it's all from Ben's side, right? Ben didn't like haircuts. Ben didn't want grocery shopping. And then he had a reaction to that. But what, can you tell us a little bit about your side of the story? What were you thinking, feeling, talking to about Ben as he was going through this process? Cause he had a stable job, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, actually a very stable job. So, <laughs> so that was, you know, kind of the topic of the conversation is just, um, you know, can we do this? Should we do this? Um, I was I pregnant? I think you were about to. No, be... we had two kids. Oh we yeah, had that's Benjamin right. And Pierce. Yeah. The years <laughs> smushed <laughs> together. So yes, we had two kids. One with health issues, congenital heart defect, and we had just moved into a rather large home for us at the time you know, kind of you get those promotions and then you get the promoted house, the bigger house and all the things. And um, he came to me and said, I, I you know, I want to start this business. I, you know, I want to be free from the corporate, you know, lifestyle or answering to other people lifestyle. And, um, you know, we really just thought about it. I'm a pretty um, go along to get along person and supportive person. And um, I just said, well, I guess we're 25 or I guess 24 at the time making the decision. Um, we don't have a lot now. What does it matter if it all blows up? We're both college educated and we could move back in with our parents, I guess. I just didn't feel like there was a lot to lose. Um, I mean, other people looking in on the situation may have thought so, but I just was. Yeah, I, I was going to say what the way that you just reacted is, is a classic entrepreneurial reaction. But the other people around you, whether that's family or friends might say, are you sure you want to do this, Lauren? You know, I think that the idea of the stable job is, is a hard narrative to break out of. It is. And I, I suppose I struggle with that because like part of me, I'm like a 50-50 person. Part of me de desires the certainty, but then there's this other part of me that um, kind of enjoys the roller coaster and then certainly enjoys the freedom. So we, I had to agree to move out of this home. I had just moved us into and decorate. We weren't even there a year. And then not only move out of a nice, uh, pretty like large home, um, I agreed to move into a two bedroom apartment with two toddlers. <laughs> Okay. That's terrible. And there was no bribe. There was no bribery involved here. You know, Ben didn't have to promise anything. You you just said okay. Yes, a promise of a, a freer future and freedom. You know, I suppose as we'll move through the conversation today, clearly is something I value. Right. Well, and freedom comes with that responsibility, mm -hmm. right? That you you don't you don't get to that without having gone through some sacrifices first. And mm -hmm. obviously, moving from a big home into a two bedroom apartment. It's definitely toddlers. one of those challenges. <laughs> right. Well, two toddlers at a time. Mm -hmm. 
And and you said one had heart issues. And I I think this has to do with day one of the business opening. I always remember Ben talking about either the hot water wasn't working or he was trying to get on the phone to the hospital or something. So what was happening that day? Do you remember? Yes, yes. It was mid-December and Pierce, our middle son, was facing his second open heart surgery um, So at a year old. So his birthday is December 12th. And he had surgery on uh, December 17th, originally his first one at five days old. And then after some balloon angioplasties midway through, we found ourselves in surgery again that next December. And that just happened to be uh, right in line with the opening of the gents place. So yeah, Ben was working that front desk uh, for 12 hours. And then I was, you know, hold down the fort at the hospital. Well, we did. Were you just doing updates? <laughs> Yeah, just updates if my memory serves right. And then uh, Pierce turned one in the hospital. And so I remember Ben's mother coming down and bringing Pierce a cupcake. I think we have a picture of it somewhere. Mm. And, and you know, it's just divide and conquer. I don't know. I guess when you're in survival, survival mode, you don't really have a lot of time to, like, think or process. You just get it done. We were in survival mode in, in every way because we had a toddler um, who is – you know, 15 months older than Pierce. So he's um, like two and a half years old. Then we had Pierce, who's a year old, getting uh, heart surgery. So that alone is like survival mode as parents. Mm -hmm. You've got two little kids kind of running around, plus one in the hospital. And then I made the mistake of putting a, uh, a big advertisement on the front windows because we needed cash. So like we're, we're just blowing through money while uh, we're building the location. So I put this advertisement out of 50% off gift cards. And you just go to the website and buy gift cards. So we had sold over $10,000 worth of gift cards and people were forcing us to open. So it's like, we have like, you better open by Friday. Otherwise I want all my money back. And I'm like, well, that's my son's I got this gift card. I've got to spend. <laughs> my son's heart surgery is on Friday. Uh, we're going to have to figure out how to make this work. Yeah. And as you, as I as I said, the hot water was that right that that wasn't working yes, that day. There was day? no yeah. hot water. There was no that hot day. water. I full disclaimer. I told these guys I'll open, but there is no hot water. They're like, mm -hmm. we don't care. We're coming in. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, we've 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 talked about you all having two kids. I want to rewind a little bit. Where did you first meet? How did you meet? And how did you know you were going to get married? Do you want my version of the story or mm -hmm. hers? We can, we can have your version first and then, and then Lauren can hop in. Well, it was clearly love at first sight one way or the other. I'll let you guess which one. Um, but we met when we were 16 years old and we met at a friend's house um, down the street in the, the town that she lived in. So we lived in two different towns, but the high school um, kind of pulled in from like 25 miles. So um, she lived out in Canyon Lake. We met at a friend's house at Canyon Lake. And I think I don't know if it was love at first sight, but certainly there was like a kindling there. Like we both gravitated towards each other at that time. I think we both maybe had boyfriend, girlfriends at the time. Um, and I don't know, over the coming weeks or months, I mean, I remember one particular night where we actually met and talked. Um, and then it was kind of, I don't know, history from there. But uh, yeah, 16 years old in high school, um, introduced by friends. Yeah. That's my version of the story, <laughs> the shortened version. Does that sound right? Yes, that sounds about right. You must yeah. love it first sight. Yeah, I think so. I mean, okay. I really liked you. So, yeah. I mean. Definitely so. like definitely like it first sight. Okay. I mean, you I'll have to you remember that I was a 16-year-old bratty you know, teenager. Yeah. So, I think I had uh, we had a mutual friend and my friend Melissa 
and we were like, what are we going to do tonight? We should have a party. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that Ben Davis, he's cute. We should invite him over. And she's like, yeah, I know his friend, Michael. We'll tell get him over. (laughs) And then, you know. Nice conspiracy. Yes. You know, high school girl conspiracies here. (laughs) So as you're moving towards graduation, was the idea maybe you would go to college in the same town or were you already talking about marriage? That's a great story, Stephen. Well, you know, so our relationship is a series of getting each other back. So (laughs) as I mentioned, I've become a much more grateful and uh, great person as I've gotten older (laughs) Um, and selfless. I would say I was pretty selfish at 16 years old, very kind, but selfish. So I thought I was going to have a huge career in fashion and I wanted to get out of Canyon Lake in a small town and just kind of live the big city dream and, um, and do that. So I said, I was going to go to fashion school and we didn't really have money. And my, my parents didn't go to college. My dad was GED educated, even graduated high school. And so I was like, Oh, I need to go to college. And so I got on the internet kind of had just started. I think we had a computer in our home at the time. And so I looked up where the best fashion school was, like not even thinking it was New York Fashion Institute of Technology, FIT, in Manhattan. And I said, oh, I'm going to go there. And so <laughs> and so I applied and I got in and I never once talked to Ben about it. I was just like, why would I wait or do something different than what I would like to do? So that uh, caused a few bumps, mm-hmm. you know. Towards the end. <laughs> you just said, I'm going to go to FIT. Yes. And, and I never even been to said... New York. And my dad ended up dying that summer, which it was a very hard summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom just flew me up to New York City for the very first time in my life, dropped me off for college and said, good luck. And then your reaction was? Well, we broke up for a few months. <laughs> 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 yeah. So... How did that fashion school journey go? Um, well, it lasted three semesters until reality set in. I mean, it's, we didn't have money for college. So I'm on loans and got a full-time job and going to school full-time. Ben and I reconnected um, because we definitely, you know, had more than just a high school relationship. Mm-hmm. We were very bonded. And um, he applied and got into NYU. And that first semester... Um, that he got into NYU. I think we were sitting at a Dunkin' Donuts and I was like, oh, darn it. I want to go home. <laughs> I want to go home to Texas. I mean, the, the, the thing is, if anybody knows the Davises, the idea of Ben Davis at NYU or you in Manhattan is just hilarious. Yeah, it was fun. It was an adventure I, I would never undo. I love it. I love this city. It's just so fun. But like you just really can't put a Texas, like a country Texas girl there. And because Ben was like, I'm going to do Wall Street. And I was like, I'm going to do fashion. And they're like, no, we're going back to Texas. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see an Instagram story at some point in the future of you guys, either at that Dunkin' Donuts or a Dunkin' Donuts near that location mm-hmm. and just say, you know, what has passed since this time? I'm pretty, I'm pretty <laughs> but sure I both- remember exactly where it is. Because I every time I go to Manhattan, I avoid that part of town. It's <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. All right. So you're homesick. We got to go back to Texas. So is, do you say we're going to get married or? Um. Well, no, we hadn't gotten married. What, it was yeah. when we were at UT. Yeah. I went, we went so I went UT from UT to NYU back into to UT and I just had a year left of school. I graduated, I was able to graduate early, uh, miraculously. Um, so I spent a year there. You were at UT mm-hmm. and then I got a job in Dallas. 
And at that point, I mean, we think we both knew we were going to get married, but it was, uh, we had no money paying for college all, all on our own. And uh, I was, you know, the classic, like saving up enough money to buy a wedding ring. And I worked at T-Mobile at the time, my last semester of, of college. And they made this massive commission change, which they probably still regret. They probably think about it decades later, um, selling prepaid phones at the time. That was like their big money maker because they could charge more per minute. And so they did this big promotion and we cleaned up on sales. And I got a $10,000 commission check going from college oh, wow. into my first job. And so um, I had money to buy a ring. So I yeah. finally bought one. Yeah. Well, he bought me a yeah. stone because I wanted to design my own ring. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help it. You yes. know. <laughs> I just really wanted a vintage ring and just really hard to get. So That's right. Hey, that, that's where you found yourself. And then did you all then decide you were going to move to Dallas? Yeah. Yes. And then I finished and what, it. Why? Well, he got his first job, the job that he left, my okay. say job. Um, and then I finished school at University of North Texas in Denton. So, and I graduated in four years in a summer. So mm. I don't know how I've taken a lot of hours, summer school, May masters, all the things to graduate on time. But yeah, so that's why we say we got each other back. You know, you're a little <laughs> this, a little that. I move you, you oh, move yeah. me. Oh yeah, you thought you were going to finish at UT, didn't you? Well, how about UNT? <laughs> how does that sound? How does Denton, Texas sound, Lauren? <laughs> well, um, I, I, when I think about that, did you did you envision that you were going to still have, let's say, a part time career or were you going to be a stay at home mom? What was the vision at the time as you were finishing school? Gosh, I had no idea. Oh, actually, as I was finishing school, I did have an idea is just graduate because we had gotten married. Mm -hmm. um, I had gone through RCIA to become Catholic, um, got married in the Catholic Church. We got pregnant with our son, Benjamin, um, and then I had him September after I graduated in August. So at some point, I just said, I got to get out of here with a degree. And if, you know, bachelor's already bachelor's degree, we're already getting pretty common. So I said, to do anything relevant, I'll probably have to go back for my master's. I just got to get this first degree. So I, right. I decided, I went into my counselor's office and I said, how do I get out of here the fastest? I had everything from um, you know, business, fashion, fashion, business classes to, I thought I was going to be a teacher to whatever. And they said, sociology will get you out of here. And I said, I'll take it. So <laughs> I, I, think you, I think you remember you saying like, I like people. I can I like, do that. I like people. Yeah. <laughs> people are interesting. Yes. I'm going to do that. So I was just like, I got to get out of here. I have to graduate. Otherwise it's going to become very, very difficult. So, although knowing knowing how much you like Brene Brown, that sociology piece does make sense uh, to me, yeah. at least from that point, right? But we wouldn't we wouldn't know about that till later. Yeah. So I want to bring us back forward in time again to business has started. Business we're past that first day, hot water not working, and I think Ben, you told me we were talking about this episode some weeks ago, and you told me about the first time you fired Lauren. Yeah. I think. Unfair. <laughs> 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 Did you give us a bit of no HR department? <laughs> Uh, I'm still going to file that complaint one that's day. That's right. Yeah. Wait, wait until we actually have an HR rep and then you can yeah. you go ahead and file that. There's probably, hopefully there's a statute of limitations. Um, well, I, I haven't really thought about it this way until now, but I think the, the truth is, is that I thought I could do all of this on my own. I could start my own business, Lauren stay home with the kids. And she did help out significantly in designing 
um, the actual aesthetic of the gents place was very um, was very instrumental on how we look and feel today. But after we got open, I'm like, I got this. Like, you can do your thing. I'll do my thing. And I found out very quickly that was not the case. Like, this was more than I than I could handle. And so I was constantly asking her, like, we're in our apartment. It was like, could you help me lick envelopes and put stamps on them and hand write to um, to members and to people to try uh, to get- Yeah, he paid me like <laughs> like a quarter or a dollar or something per hand. I hope, I hope the EEA or whoever is listening <laughs> to this episode. I'll tell you what, it was not a dollar. That was way too much money. I felt like I was like, I just have to fund my caramel macchiatos. I just got to fund caramel macchiatos. I think it was a quarter at Yeah, a time. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, but you know, I, I think that was it from the beginning. I realized that I needed her help and that she got a ton of value in the business. And so she found herself, you know, from designing the location to licking envelopes to running HR at one point doing all of the recruiting. And I don't remember what role you had at the time, but yeah, I do. there, oh, you do. Okay. Well, there's, there is a story that's coming, a story that's a hundred percent true and I'm not proud of it, but um, you know, I leave the house. She's working on, on the, the computer. I leave the house and she calls me. And she's just, I would call it complaining. You might call it giving feedback. Um, but I remember just hearing all this. I'm like, I just, I can't do this anymore. I cannot work in the business with her. It's been long enough. And so I turn around without telling her I'm turning around. I'm still talking to her. Uh-huh. Yep. Got it. Okay. Knowing full and well what I was going to do. Like she was going to get fired today. And, and how and how long into the business is this? This is probably this is, this is, we were on that. We were in the house. Walnut Hill house. Yeah. And this was twenty somewhere between twenty twelve and twenty fourteen, probably early, okay. probably twenty twelve. So we're okay nine to yeah three four years in. Mm-hmm. And right. um, we have three kids. You pull up to the house. Three kids at this time. Three kids and three locations. Three gents place yeah. locations. Um, and so yeah, so I, I'm listening. I go back in the house. I'm on the cell phone. She sees me and I just walk over and I just put my hand on top of her laptop and shut it. And I said, like, you're done. You're done. And I remember her going, what? Well, but I still need to get whatever she's working. I still need to get this done and this and who's going to do that. And I'm like, I'll figure it out. You're done. Like, it's over. Done. Um, what were you working on? Do you remember? Well, I was in charge <laughs> of recruiting okay. <laughs> at the time. So I was probably to learn it. an offer letter. What's your side? What's your side of the story? Okay, so <laughs> not 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 too far off of what he said, but you know, I have three kids at home. You know, we had our our daughter Caroline, so she's crawling around on the floor. I've got two toddler boys, so we probably have at this time I don't know three kids under the age five or six mm. somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, and I'm working from home. And it's impossible to have a quiet home with two boys 15 months apart and then a a little girl, you know, crawling around on the floor. And so I'm, you know, in my mind doing my best, which I'm getting to work when I can in between being a mom. And it was recruiting. This is where we really learned that I don't date your boss. Um, you can't be reporting into your boss. <laughs> and I, I'm sure like I was late on, you know, doing some things and I was just frustrated. And so I'm calling him like, I hate this job and said something like, and I'm probably crying at this point, you know, and I'm just like, I'm so frustrated, you know, just really giving him an earful. And then I hear the car door shut and then I hear the front door open. And then I'm like, what? 
what? <laughs> and then he comes over. Yes. And he does. He slams it, the computer down in front of me and told me I'm done. And I thought for a second, like you said, no, I have a few things. And I thought, you know, expletive you. And that sounds great. It's summertime. I'm happy to have all my time back. <laughs> Good luck. If we're done, we're done. So, you know, it was, okay. yes, it definitely wasn't or like a, a marital, you know, trophy time, but you know, it was real and we learned a lot. So yeah. and I, I enjoyed my summer off. How long, how, how long did that fiery last? Uh, three months. Not very long. And then he retired. Okay, so it was, it was, a, it, was a, it was a layoff. <laughs> Was yeah, so I was a, it was an unwanted layoff and then a rehire against my will because I was really enjoying my extra time. I mean, it is nice to have that. And we're, I know we're laughing and joking about it now, yeah. but we, you know, perhaps more than I do that many marriages have been tested and to the limit and then beyond the limits and to the breaking point. Mm -hmm. Um did you ever have that concern about your own marriage um, just within your own your own history, you know, how you, how you viewed marriage and then how, what your, what your and Ben's approach was, and then what the boundaries of the business were in relation to, to your marriage. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Not having those boundaries, you know, having marital fights combined with work fights combined with kids and all those things. I mean, yeah, it tested our marriage. Uh, it, we've been at many breaking points where it got very tough and by the grace of God, really, by the grace of God, we managed to keep it together. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like, especially that particular story, that was a huge breaking point. But we learned, like, I just cannot report into, he can't report into me, I can't report into him. The work has to be parallel, independent, and collaborative. But there can't be deadlines, because I've got to work at my own pace. And I can't be having him say, did you do work? And did you get dinner on the table? I'm thinking of like pillow, pillow talk, like, Hey, did I get those TPS reports? Yeah, exactly. You know? And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm Just one simple, polite question, right. Can be taken completely the other way. Like, Hey, did you? Because con context is everything, yes, right? It is. So now if I need to ask her a question, I just go through someone else and like, can you ask Lauren this question? <laughs> and it, it lands completely differently. I just gave away yeah, one of my secrets. Sure. <laughs> oh, wonderful. <laughs> so when Liz calls me. When Liz you, calls you, you call yeah. <laughs> Did you plan the company party yet? Well, no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but Liz, you say I'd be happy to get on a call and discuss that. Happy, Liz. Happy for you. Happy to talk to you. Hey, you hey, you found a method. You found a way that works, and that then that's what matters, right? How did you... How did you track that progression? Because you said there's different breaking points and sometimes it's hard to then take those different breaking points and say, okay, but we're still moving forward together and we're not gonna let this beat us and we're gonna keep going. Um, what do you think helped you have that vision and have that ability to keep going forward? Because plenty of other people around around us in business and in life give up. Just say, you know what, that's that's it. For this business and this marriage, I'm, I'm out. I wanna, first? I wanna comment on this. Okay, you go um, first. I think we'll probably, we may have different answers, but I, I think that what has kept it together is the personal commitment to each other. So it's like, if the business thing isn't working out, but you know, you know for sure you're gonna be with this person the rest of your life, then the you have to work the business part out. You know, if it's like, well, I don't know if the business thing isn't working out and I don't know if I really like this person, then it's real easy to just like throw it all away. 
But when you know you're still going to be together forever, then I, for me, that gives a different, you make a different set of decisions. You go, you know what? Let's just create different boundaries. You know, we just, we talk about it and go, we're, we're going to be together. The business still has to run. Maybe we shouldn't report into each other. Maybe we need to divide and conquer. Maybe you should take a step out for a bit or we can find a replacement. Um, but I think for me, that's what's made it work for us is like the, the personal commitment on the personal side. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's different things at different times. I think the growth in my faith and our faith Ben's as in our marriage and in family um, has kept us through some exceptionally hard times. Um, the grace of of God before really being firm in my faith, I think held things together um, at times when things seemed like in despair, um, having your your marriage, family, and business all tied into one makes it logistically very difficult to separate it and sort of like, keep some um like tangible boundaries mm -hmm. around like fine fine you know it's over okay who's gonna unwind it first no. oh no never mind <laughs> that's way harder let's just work it out you know it just sort of keeps you these like uh physical these you know boundaries around it where it's like okay it's just like why would we go and quit and start anew when we could just find a way to make what we're doing work? Like the grass isn't greener and it being so complicated and, and intertwined. You, yeah. The frame, the frame that you're using, yeah. I think about that too big to fail, you know, yeah. lie that they give us about businesses. And so it, you're, you're, you're framing as too important to fail, yeah. right? Yeah. That there's too much going on here. It's like, well, surely I can figure this out. Surely there's, there's something that well, we can do. And I, I think some, sometimes people lose that vision. Some other context too, Stephen, is that we didn't have a, a playbook to follow from our parents. And so mm -hmm. and I, and I love my parents and I know Lauren loves her parents, but the reality is there's four, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's like 12 divorces, you know, if you're counting on both sides between our mm -hmm. two parent sets. And so we knew, and this is a really a gift. We knew what divorce looked like. We knew what alcoholism looks like. We knew what drugs looks like through all of our families and experiencing this. And so I think that's helpful too for us mm -hmm. to go, if we go down this path, we already have been there before as kids and are still dealing with that to this day. And um, we were talking about this the other day. Um, we have some of our friends going through divorces whose parents had stayed together. And so they didn't have the the frame and the, like the lens through which we look is they don't know how difficult divorce is. Mm -hmm. For them, it's new. Mm -hmm. And for us, we've it's been like, there many mm -hmm. times before and we go, oh, we're not going there. Nightmare, I'm not going to live. I don't care how bad it gets. It's just mm -hmm. a nightmare that I refuse to participate in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Boy, I feel like we could do another episode just like <laughs> that. Um, don't get divorced. Yeah. <laughs> I want to I come back to the kids because they've been in and around our story. Um, as someone who hasn't ever had children, I've often said that as a business owner, there's some analogy to your employees that you they have different temperaments, different personalities. You can't treat them all the same. They come from different backgrounds. Um, what, what business lessons have you brought back into your home and what parenting lessons have you brought to the workplace? Mm, I, I got some. Well, just, yeah, and I know you first. agree with this, is our company values, mm -hmm. 
years ago, we set out with kind of a mission and vision and company values that we live out. And the people that have been with us for 10 plus years, ourselves included, will tell you that they brought the Gents Place values into their personal life and, and vice versa. Um, so for me, I think establishing those company values and realizing like what it takes to make a functional work environment um, actually uh, was helpful in our, our own family. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, I think it's, it's maybe the opposite. Like they have a real strong, tight-knit family, no divorces, nuclear family, faith integrated in. And they take that those personal values and bring that into to their business. At least for, for us, we kind of came from a bunch of crazy places. It's like we got our foundation set from a value standpoint in our business. And then I feel like we kind of caught up on the yeah. personal side later on. Yeah, it was the it was the genesis. So we had to implement culture in our business. Mm-hmm. for us to achieve the business results and the dream we wanted. And you, you know, we're authentic people, so you can't live um, incongruently, mm-hmm. at least it, it, in the mindset of if you just, you want to have a happy life, like you can't be one person at work and one person at home. Mm-hmm. Then you certainly can't do that if you're the business owner and the one creating the culture, like how big of a hypocrisy would it be? For us to not live out our company values when you have someone like Liz stands out, like mm-hmm. she is, you know, born and raised Jen's place and her daughter Callie is, you mm-hmm. know, Ms. Boss Lady Jen's place having direct compassionate communication with her teachers. So mm-hmm. it's sort of this, you know, um, you know, beautiful give and take relationship, mm-hmm. but it was, yeah, business first that, that got into our family, personal mm-hmm. growth, professional growth. Um, just the idea of growing started in the business. Well, first. I think because we were so committed to each other and been together for so long, it was kind of like we're okay over here, like personally. But our business, we have not, we haven't done this before. We opened in a crazy time in two thousand eight, in the uh, heights of the Great uh, Recession. These were losing people. We had a walkout in one of our locations many years ago, early on. Like half the team walked out in one day. And like there was a need for us to create a foundation there. Um, and so a lot of these company values now, like I said, are, you know, Liz's kids, our kids live these out. Um, and so that's been, um, I think that's been probably the biggest impact that, that we've made just holistically amongst our team members is they give us the feedback saying, I, everything you teach me here, I use in my personal life. And how do you think your children have been affected in terms of their attitude towards entrepreneurship? Do you think they, they they necessarily want to open their own businesses or do you think they've just gotten enough context to say, well, if I ever do want to start a business, I know where, where that comes from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think um, our middle son, Pierce, has a natural disposition and personality for entrepreneurship. It's, it's funny how you can mm-hmm. birth, the, birth these children, but uh, they just are like a mixed bag. All three of our kids are totally different. Um, And so Pierce has the most likelihood of being an entrepreneur, I would say. Um, Maybe Caroline, too. I don't know. She's 13. So her her personality is is still coming. And Benjamin, our oldest, um, I, you know, you never say never. He could could be the most successful entrepreneur out of a whole family. You never really know. But his natural tendency doesn't doesn't seem inclined there. But I always think about that thinking. What are they going to think the workplace is like since they only know our reality. They don't know what it's like to be an employee. 
Yeah. They don't know, have any reference for that. They don't have stories of that. They don't, they have no framework. So I think it's be interesting. They don't realize, they don't realize how much easier it is to just have a job. You yeah. just get to show up. No one calls you if the, if the hot water breaks or if, if, if payroll needs to clear tomorrow that you don't, as an employee, you just get to show up people hand you money and then you go home. Like that's, that's it. Yes. And our oldest did get his first job, um, uh, picking and packing school supplies this summer in a warehouse, which is an awesome first job. And he was a little shocked, I think at the kind of just the workplace. Cause he hears us talk about it, I guess. And here's, you know, maybe Ben take calls in the car talking to different team members. So they just have gotten, you know, by osmosis. And he was kind of like, oh, mom, these people don't want to work. And yeah, like, why? They keep I don't know taking why this vacations. Guy do his job. <laughs> and they're calling in sick. And he was up every morning. He was a 16 year old boy up every morning of summer um, there at 6 30 in the morning and got home at 2 p.m., Monday through Friday. So I, it was That's great. Yeah, it was great. But he was definitely shocked at the lack of work ethic. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and uh, as you as you say, they've they've gone through a period where they've they've grown up seeing remote work become a much more normal thing, right? So that's the workplace. But they've also grown up in an environment in which schools were used as political theater, right? Where people had an agenda and they were driving things. And I realized as I was preparing for this, Lauren, you basically had your own startup experience as well, but in in politics, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's that's an entirely different program also. But if you could give our listeners maybe a, a two-minute Reader's Digest version of, um, of your political journey. And once again, I'm going to ask, what lessons from business did you bring to that journey? And what lessons from that journey did you bring back to business? Yeah, I think, it, you know, going back to uh, one of my beginning comments in this episode was uh, my value of freedom. And, you know, during the COVID era that was tested. And um, I just thought, oh my gosh, I did not sacrifice our comforts and the whole story you just heard just to have some government officials come in and shut our business down and force medical mandates on my children when being, you know, a medically fragile child who I have spent a great portion of my life ensuring that I got him great medical care and kept him alive and and did the best for him. So just, it was a very visceral, complete and total response, um, taking away my freedoms that yes, did launch me into, you know, running for a local office that had a lot of influence over these medical mandates. So it was, it was just, it felt, you know, I used literally everything we've learned in entrepreneurship and then some, so politics is, I get told it all the time. It's nothing like business. And I agree, like the structure of it um, is like business. It's a marketing campaign. So that's what I thought I, when I get overwhelmed, I just try to boil things down to what I know and what's familiar, taking the unfamiliar, make it familiar. And I said, oh, okay. So I'm selling myself. Um, I need messaging. I need a platform. And then I got to get it out as far and wide in a defined period of time as possible to collect as many votes as possible. So that's where I took like business in and then, and then use it and it worked it worked we you know one and this time ben ben was on the laptop and you didn't fire that's him. Right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> actually <laughs> no i definitely didn't fire him because he's got a skill set that i don't have 
Um, but I, he did, definitely, I did threaten to walk off the did, job several times. So. <laughs> yeah, it was fun to have kind of like those primary roles reverse. But again, we went right into being like super supportive of each other and playing to our strengths and operating in our strengths and all those things. But yeah, it's just that that value of freedom um, was was the primary source of the energy and the motivation and um you know, standing up for our employees as well as my kids, you know, they took with the livelihood of our employees away, as well as the freedoms of my children and took our marketing advice. And then also um, just being an inspirational leader and loving people from all walks of life. I mean, you get all kinds of people. I've had grown men yell in my face um, because they don't agree with me. I've had people spread rumors and call names. I mean, politics is the last like blood sport in the United States, the Senator of Texas, Bob Hall says that's the last blood sport. And it's true, um, but I just really, you know, thought about all of our employees. They come from all walks of life, all different um, belief sets, and I love them all. And they all have value. And so I just try to really use that lens to to filter some of this hatefulness and, and ugliness. No, and I... I I really appreciate that. And I suppose in a certain sense, it might be easier to deal with the strange man yelling at you because like, he doesn't know me, but you know, I remember reading the, these stories. These are close friends of yours. Yes. We're like, yeah, you know, that Laura Davis, she likes to vacuum her house. <laughs> and I'm thinking who are, who, first of all, who are these people, right? Like that's the big crime. Laura likes to vacuum. But secondly, you know, I thought you were my friend. And I think that's one of the challenges that, you do sometimes face that in business. I do think sometimes business can can challenge some friendships, but I suppose politics maybe does this in a way that business doesn't do so directly. And, and how did you deal with that? Yeah, I think any time you are leveling up or going to the next level in life, whether it be spiritually, um, financially, or just in your personal professional growth, even if you're kind of outside the uh, realm of religion, um, that you will risk losing friends because and we learned this in tony robbins ben and i did a tony robbins conference way early on in our journey and he did warn of that you're going to go home and people aren't going to like you um those weren't his exact words but that was what he was getting at and that's an experience once you kind of take a take a step up or a step out there's always going to be someone who tries to bring you down and i learned it's not you it's what you represent in their life and what kind of um, your actions challenging their belief systems, because people get the craziest, angry, irrational when you either on purpose or by accident um, rock someone's core belief. So all of a sudden mm. you create this instability in their life that they weren't expecting and cannot handle. And all you can do is, is handle yourself and, and try to be kind and compassionate when that happens. And certainly in politics, that's like an everyday occurrence. But in business too, as our business has grown, it's challenged people. Um, so I, I didn't realize I was learning that there and I got to test it and use it in politics. Um, but when you take the company to the next level, there'll always be a bottom you know, 10% that falls out. I remember when we started doing the weekly calls mm -hmm. on Wednesdays yeah. and, and it was mandatory and you had to fill out a form. And one of the first forms that came in was um, FU or something like that, or WTF or something. And we were like, this well, is... she's fired. Um, and, <laughs> you know, but some people aren't ready. They can't handle it. And just is what it is. 
It yeah. is what it is. Plant a seed. We have people come back all the time and tell us that, gosh, I'm sorry for acting like that. You really made a difference in my life. So it it's just it, politics life. And you don't know what those people's backgrounds were, right? They, they, they could have had damaged, damaged childhoods or damaged previous work experiences where they were not trusted or they weren't given the proper tools to really appreciate what you were bringing. I want to add I just want to ask, was it one more thing? I was going to say, was it hard for you to watch Lauren get attacked in that way? And then, sorry. No, no, it was. And that is a great, um, great segue to what I was going to say too, is like, it wasn't because it was an attack, not on her, but on our entire family. And what I was going to mention is this um, idea of competition. I didn't realize how much competition and someone fighting against you can unite a front, mm -hmm. a, an entire family, and in this in this uh, case, hundreds of thousands of voters. Like one story where where you're getting challenged and people are fighting against you, it like immediately brought us together. Like we're going to make this happen, and. Um, I'm not a, a student of history, but whatever the most famous battles were, 300 or whatever, where everyone was outnumbered, that's how we felt. It's like, we're like mm. five people fighting this, you know, David versus Goliath, you want to use a biblical example. Um, and it was translating that to business. Like I appreciate competition more now than I did before this, because I realized how great it made us. If we didn't have people saying, you are going to lose, you're going to embarrass yourself, who do you think you are, all of these things that we heard, that wouldn't have caused us to stay up late and get the website going. And just she worked so hard every night, every day, multiple events. People had never seen someone work so hard before. And I think part of it was it was certainly mission driven. But every time someone told you you can't do it or you're stupid or you're going to embarrass yourself, it was like, oh man, thank they you. They shouldn't That's have said gift. that. Thank you. Someone hasn't called me a complete idiot today. Yeah. I need that because I'm kind of tired. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Resistance is everything. You could create it yourself mm -hmm. or people can create it for you. But um, resistance, it, like it's, it's necessary mm -hmm. to all training and growth, physically, spiritually, mm -hmm. business, all of it. Yeah. Welcome it. It's a gift. Competition competitor comes in mm -hmm. town. Someone says they're going to crush you. Like that's a gift. When you've alluded to the spiritual journey, Lauren, and one of the questions I asked to get ready to talk to you all was, you know, if you could go back in time and talk to Ben and Lauren at the beginning of this journey, what one or two things would you say to help them do better? Mm -hmm. And I think one of them you mentioned was to have more of a focus on Christ and and having that be a, a guiding principle. Do you want to do you want to talk about that a little bit? And we'll use that to, to wrap up today's episode. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. If I could go back and talk to my, yeah, you know, 10 year, 15 year younger self, I would say, oh, you know, do not lose your belief in Jesus because I, I didn't have it. My family was atheist family. My mom says agnostic. I say atheist, you know, tomato, tomato on that without God for sure. And then I realized, you know, through a series of people planting seeds in my life, like my softball coaches, my best friend's parents, the doves, um, they, they showed me Christ. And then um, I went through RCA and I became Catholic and we tried on churches and I said, oh, I feel the real presence of Jesus in the Catholic church, not even fully understanding what that meant. It was just a feeling. And I even taught first communion classes. And then somewhere along the way, I believe it was the venture into self-help 
um, things that I went on a new age uh, slumber, we'll call it. And I stopped focusing on Jesus and I started doing all the things, which I suppose they're not bad, but if they are primary, in my opinion and in my growth, you, you're going to be not fulfilled. There's going to be a point where, um, where you, it's just a, it's an insatiable pit for that. That's when I was like listening to Brene Brown, when she's got nuggets, but they cannot be your foundation. It is endless. And I just kept searching for happiness and fulfillment. And if I work harder, I study more, I watch another Brene Brown video, I go to another Tony Robbins conference, it never was enough. And then the political journey brought me back to, um, and I met some really strong Catholic women, invited me to a rosary group, uh, told me get back to mass, get to confession. And that set me back on the spiritual path that I realized that everything that I participated in, in self-help and new age type um, manifestation and all of that was a, was a plagiarism of the Bible and the fullness of the Catholic faith. And it was all there. Everything that I had been searching for, I realized it was all there. And then the deeper I've gotten into going to daily mass and, and really engaging in the material and reading the word of God and, and just investing that much time there that I did other places. It is the most fulfilling um, material I've ever read in my life. It has all the answers. And I would just told my younger self, like, like, just don't lose focus. All the answers are here. There's a parable, right? A story for everything that could possibly happen in life. Everything is right here. And so I've just never felt more happier, more fulfilled, more anything. And it's not like we have more of anything in life. Mm -hmm. And I mean, sure, I, I love nice things or it's nice to have a, a nice home and all that. But it's just, I tell you, it's, a, it's a, just a different, um, it's a different light. It's a different level of fulfillment. It takes all the fear of failure away. Like our business is 15 years. It could still fail because mm -hmm. anything can sure. fail, right? That's not out of this reality, but there's just no fear in the failure anymore. I'm going through that political journey when half the world hates you for lies and for untruths or just because you believe in Christ, all of a sudden, eh, I didn't really matter because I got to a point where I had nothing um, but Christ. And that's when I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> oh, but it's, not, mm. it's something you can plant seeds for people. I don't think anyone could have lectured me into this. It's just something you have to experience. And it's usually in the absence of literally everything, your social network, your um, personal comforts, your, you know, losing of your freedoms that, mm. that you find true freedom in Christ and is life-changing. Well, and, and Lauren, I, I, I just, I want to make sure you don't beat up on yourself too bad about the personal development journey, the self-help thing, because I, I think all business owners, when we find out that there are books are like, oh, I can do this and I can do this. And as you say, scripture does have everything, but it doesn't necessarily have it built down into, you know, here's what you can do on a Tuesday, et cetera. Yes. Right. <laughs> and I always say that per, all, the best that personal development can do when it's at its very best, all it can give you is how. But it can never answer why, yeah. right? Personal development can never answer why. And without why, there's no point. Mm. 
in anything, right? And so utilize those hows when you can, but then leave it and then focus on the bigger. Yeah, it just shouldn't be the foundation. And it became the foundation just out of out of a desire to succeed in business. And it was just out of balance. It's all about balance too. Well, I want to tell a quick story that happened to me over this past week. You know, five Catholic boys get in a, a van and drive to Louisiana to mm -hmm. see a a healing nun, Sister Dolce in Louisiana, um, to um, to hopefully cure my uh, friend's cancer. He got diagnosed with terminal cancer. And we have, you know, seven hours each way in this van to talk. To, to my friend that's um, that is uh, has been diagnosed, and um, you know he asked probably the gentleman in the in the car who is probably the most devout, studied Catholic, you know, in the car. And he said, "Hey, like, am I on the right path?" Because he had just finished reading all of these things that he has done to try to cure his cancer, and it took him about five minutes straight of reading from iPhone notes. I've done this, I've done this. I mean, it was literally, uh, he could write a book on it. And the response from this, this, and he said, am I on the right track? I just don't know if I'm doing the right thing. And he said, well, you've got to ask yourself one question. Where are you starting in your healing journey? Are you starting with all of these medicines and everything else? Or are you starting with God? And that really hit me is that Rick, you can do all of these other things. Right? God put all of these opportunities on the earth to try to, to heal and feel better and everything. But tell me, and he said, Rick, tell me about how you're starting. Tell me about your relationship with God right now. And um, it, was a, it was a fascinating conversation. And I, and I you know, told this gentleman, I said, wow, I've been contemplating this, trying to figure out how I could give feedback to Rick and what he could, you know, how I could help him. And I said, Darren, that's, that's it. Like that, that was the most beautiful advice. And, um, it did, it changed his, his frame and said, well, I've been going to mass, you know, every week I've been doing this and that. So I think that's, I think the biggest change for us is like, where is your, what is your identity? You know, there's all you see, Stephen, you see all this online, you know, I'm the successful businessman. I'm this and creating these identity mm -hmm. statements. And if you're not starting with, I'm a child of God, then in my opinion, and in Lauren's opinion, you're, you're probably going to veer off track at some point. And so that's like, for me, as reinforced this week is like, where am I starting? And is my faith, my starting point? And then yes, I can go read this business book and go to this motivational talk and talk to coaches and everything. But if, if my starting point isn't right, it, I'm probably going to veer off into a direction I don't want to go. I think that's a great place for us to end. If we talk about ending points, our, our last thing I'm going to mention today is the newest uh, venture in the Davis household, which is the Gen Store, yeah. which is our season two sponsor. Mm -hmm. And um, Ben, if you could just give a, a, a quick uh, quick plug for how the Gen Store populated in your mind. Yeah. And uh, then we'll wrap up. The I hate episode. to mention other brands, but if you love Amazon, if you've heard of Amazon.com, <laughs> You're going to really love the Gent store. It's like 10 times better because it has like, you know, one, one millionth less selection, but it's all the right stuff. <laughs> We've removed all of the toilet paper and, and all the other things. Um, so yeah, the Gent store is, we've got over 3000 products on there. It's an amazing um, curation of goods that any gentleman would appreciate. So we're selling 
premium coffee to $1,000 leather bags. Uh, we've got, we're going to have motorcycles on the store maybe by the time this airs. Um, we've got a lot of cool things on there. And 20% of your purchases uh, in, on most products uh, convert into an annual membership credit. So if you're a member at the Gents Place, it only makes sense if you're going to buy something besides toilet paper, go to the Gents store first, find something good there, check out, and then you'll get your 20% credit and you'll be able to take that in and apply that to your annual membership. But then even if someone's not in near a Gents Club, Gents Store Club, they're still able to contribute to some of the greater good that you're doing yeah. via the Gents yeah. Store, right? Yeah, every, um, every purchase feeds a homeless veteran on the GentsStore.com. And then at some point uh, in the future, uh, we will be able for those gentlemen that are not in the Gents Place market to um, earn some extra credit or make a, an additional contribution uh, to a charity that they care about. And just to tie this back to, to Lauren's journey, I think what, what Ben was mentioning, that that major company that no one's ever heard of before, that one of the ways uh, one of the ways the Gen Store can help as part of a broader marketplace is making sure that we're putting our money in the right places. Yes. Right. We've come to see what people who think that they know more than we do and who, who are going to tell us what to think and what to do, they're going to do what they want with our money. And then we can, we're free to say, yeah, that's fine. I guess we're just going to have to create our own beer mm -hmm. or we're going to have to create our own coffee or we're going to have to create our own X, Y, Z. And then you won't have our money and you can go do whatever you want without other people's money. But if it means that we pay slightly more or we have to do different things, we're going to do that. But, you know, as you say, the COVID era was a breaking of many illusions for many of us. And I think that's why the Gen Store, among many, let's say, other potential competitors, is a great opportunity for people to see how that plays yeah, out. Yeah, and, and that I'm glad you mentioned that. And those um, those meals that, that we um, support our homeless veterans with is through our nonprofit. It does not have a single salary dollar, a single dollar of overhead in that charity. So literally everything that gets donated through there gets passed immediately to um, our veterans in need or the homeless that we serve um, on a monthly basis. So it's a great cause to support. Well, and maybe we'll get a, we will talk about that in a different episode, but for now, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat about this and sharing your story. And I, and I know that people will have learned something from, I certainly have, and um, we'll keep, we'll keep going with season yeah. two. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen.